2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. It's going down. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair. Stay later for the game. One ticket. Also, also at 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage. Grammy Award winning Ashanti live. Then, then the classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. When the world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. All Williams Chicken locations. Catfish Floyd's Friendship West Baptist Church. St. John's Baptist Church. PVU and GSU alumni. And Breakfast Brothers. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital. This is the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, September 13th. I'm Donald Ware. And as you know, it's Takeaway Tuesday on the podcast. I give you some thoughts on what happened in week two of HBCU football. First of all, the HBCU coaches and media polls have been released. No surprise that Jackson State is number one in both polls. As a matter of fact, you got Jackson State, South Carolina State, and North Carolina Central one through three in both polls. In the coaches poll, Prairie View A&M is number four, Alcorn State is number five, and Southern is number six. So that was in fact the result of the poll last week where all six of those teams were ranked in all six of those positions. The only newbie that you have in the poll is Hampton, who was not ranked on last week, who was number 10 in the poll. Bowie State losing a game. Saginaw Valley State got beat pretty good, 40-12. to 12, Drops in the media poll from number two to number four. Albany State lost to Florida A&M, dropped from four to six. And the only school that was not in the poll that is in the poll again this week is Virginia Union. Congratulations to the uh, the HBCU National Players of the Week <clears throat> out of Jackson State. It's the second week in a row that Jackson State has had a player. Niles Gaddy, the linebacker, was absolutely tremendous against Tennessee State. He had three and a half sacks. He had four uh, tackles for loss, <clears throat> excuse me, in the ball game. Dominating defensive performance by Jackson State. Also, Jada Byers, the running back for Virginia Union, the other box to row or the other, excuse me, HBCU national player of the week, 289 yards rushing and three touchdowns as Virginia Union defeated Valdosta State 45 to 40 in Valdosta. That's a big win for Virginia Union, who is 2-0 on the season. So you can find more of that information, whether it's the HBCU coaches and media polls or more information about the uh, HBCU National Players of the Week on our website at BoxToRow.com. Couple of things, couple of takeaways from week two. Number one, congratulations to all of the teams that are 2-0. We have seven teams that are 2-0 after week two. Now, that's rare, okay? That's rare when you're talking about HBCU football on any level because whether it's Division II, whether it's 
FCS, whether it's NAIA, uh, just because of a lot of times you're playing a lot of those uh, so-called money games, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I think you have to be able to make a living uh, for your football program, for your athletics budgets, and uh, you, you got to be able to play some of those money games um, so that you can be able to fund that football program, make improvements, all of those kind of things. So here are the schools. Benedict, Virginia Union, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Hampton, North Carolina Central, Langston, and Fort Valley State. You can look at UAB, UAPB and say, well, you know, you play Lane to start the season. I mean, that, that Lane is a tough opponent. I mean, we act like sometimes I think we act like because a school is in a lesser division that that school can't play or isn't very good. Lane's got a good football program. And for many years, I mean, Albany State, Bowie State can beat a lot of the FCS HBCUs, right? You know, go back to years past when Tuskegee was balling out. Winston-Salem State um, under Connell Maynard uh, went all the way to the, the, uh, the Division II National Championship. So let's not, you know, act like uh, there isn't good football at the Division II level, but UAPB has beaten two teams. Um, hey, they're 2-0. and Say what you want. They're 2-0. and You look at North Carolina Central, big win over A&T to start the season, made a statement, a statement, I think, against Winston-Salem State, 41 to nothing with the victory. Remember, this was a 20 to 13 game uh, last year. So you you can even see the improvement with the Eagles and and uh, and 2 and 0 to start the season. You know, again, Benedict Virginia Union big win as I mentioned against Valdosta State. So, I mean, Langston, right? 2 and 0 on the season to start the season uh, there. So, congratulations to all of those schools who are 2 and 0 on the season. That's uh difficult um to that 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 can happen particularly at this time because, you know, you're playing up in a lot of situations no matter what level you're on. So another takeaway or some other takeaways, I mean, I look at Jackson State. Boy, Jackson State is getting it done defensively. Now, 16-3, a touchdown and three field goals for the Jackson State Tigers in the game. I, I, I said... My prediction was that Jackson State would win by 10. Jackson State won by 13. I didn't know this was going to be a low-scoring game. As a matter of fact, I mean, I got to give some kudos to Tennessee State as well for holding Jackson State to 16 points. We saw what happened with Florida, what Jackson State did to Florida A&M two weeks ago. So kudos to Tennessee State. Plus, coming off that loss to Eastern Washington where Tennessee State gave up something close to 600 yards of total offense. So congratulations um, uh, to Jackson State on the victory and give kudos to Tennessee State. Shador Sanders, 30 of 44, 276 yards, one touchdown, no interception in the ball game. He was sacked one time. I mean, that's an efficient game. Again, he's completing a high percentage uh, of his passes. Uh, not you know, But again, 44 attempts for 276 yards. He's finding the open guy, given what the defense takes him, give uh, with the taking what the defense gives him, and give Tennessee State um, a lot of credit for that in that Memphis that 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 um, of course that uh, classic the uh, Southern Heritage Classic uh, there in Memphis. So big win for Jackson State, who remains two and zero. I mean, I heard some people, you know, I've heard some scuttlebutt about well, you know, only score sixteen points this week. 
you know, whatever. I mean, Jackson State's got a, 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 high, a high-powered offense. It's, that's good. But that defense right now, no doubt about it, is playing lights out. Let's see what else I have for my, uh, for my takeaways. Grambling. Now, Grambling had a big win, 47-21 to 21 over Northwestern State. I think when you talk about big jumps, we talk about, you hear a lot of coaches on all levels of football talk about making a big jump from week one to week two. Well, if you look at Grambling, I mean, Grambling was up against uh, an FBS opponent in week one, so it was going to be a tough deal anyway. Um, but I don't know if I saw, because Northwestern State's got a pretty good program, and these two team, these two programs have played uh, uh, before. Northwestern State is at, you know, has gotten the better uh, of Grambling. But you look at this time around, you know, Hugh Jackson, his offensive staff, I think made a statement by scoring the 47 points on uh, number one. Quaterius, Quaterius Hawkins, the quarterback for Grambling, 13 of 23, 293 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions in the ball game. And Grambling also rushed for 145 yards. Maurice Washington leading the way, 95 yards on only five carries. So it was a balanced attack when you look at Grambling from running the football, also passing the football, and putting up 47 points in the victory over Northwestern State. I thought that was a really, I mean, that's a big win. I mean, when you're talking about uh, Grambling and from one week to the next, we talk about making that jump. I think ultimately uh, Grambling made a nice jump. Doesn't get any easier. We talked about the Jackson State defense. And uh, so Grambling and Jackson State going to get together on Saturday, that should be a good one. It's certainly a candidate. I'd have to look at the schedule. Haven't looked at the schedule for week three as of yet, but it certainly would be a strong contender for the HBCU National Game of the Week. No doubt about that. I mean, I would say one of my other takeaways would be Virginia Union's win. Now in the HBCU media poll, um, you know, Dr. Alvin Parker. I mean, I, I think it was a, a bit of, you know, by... Virginia Union standards, it was a down year last year. Six and four, lost that game to Valdosta State, able to get it. Now you're putting yourself in more of a national spotlight, I think, uh, not only in HBCUs, but also at the Division II level. Uh, I don't, I hadn't seen the poll to know whether Virginia Union was in the poll, whether it was getting votes. I'm not even sure. I mean, Valdosta State's a perennial power. So um, to me, I, I would think, I don't know if Valdosta State's ranked um, or not. I'm not 100% sure about that. But Valdosta State's a perennial uh, power. So you can go down to Valdosta on the road, uh, hostile environment, and get the victory. I mean, that I think that's really saying something for Valdosta State. Another takeaway for me, South Carolina State with a 33-9 victory over Bethune-Cookman. I, I think, you know, when you're talking about, I mean, you, you, you look at that first game, against UCF sure you wanted a bit of a better showing but you know it's not like you're playing a lower level FBS program in UCF I mean that's a you know it's not a power five but it's that next tier uh, I would say below so I mean that's a you know that's a tough task losing that game 56 to 10 South Carolina State to be able to bounce back and it's true sometimes playing up makes you better. I mean, I think Bethune-Cookman's got a solid squad. He's got a decent, a solid quarterback. And Jalen Jones, remember him from a couple of seasons ago when he played at Jackson State. I mean, they forced him into two turnovers. 
And, you know, I had a chance. I've been, I'm going to tell you what. And, you know, for those that don't know, okay, you know, I've been watching for, uh, for South Carolina State uh, a young man, linebacker, for a couple of years now by the name of B.J. Davis. You, you know, you look at the, all of the, and, and by the way, and I'll tell you one of my other takeaways um, as well, but you've got some, you've got some, you know, you know, Shaquille, I guess he's calling himself Shaquille now, Shaquille Leonard, Darius Leonard, who's with the Colts, right? You've got these guys that are in the National Football League from South Carolina State, specifically on the defensive side of the football. Well, Buddy Pugh, on uh, the, the coach's uh, conference call, the MEAC conference call, said that this guy's next in line in terms of being an NFL player. You look at the production. I mean, I just look at the production each week. He does nothing but produce. I mean, I've, you know, you look at the, you know, you look at the God Bolts and the Jablonski Greens of the world, and those guys deserve all the credit that they're getting and have gotten. People aren't talking enough about this kid, B.J. Davis. Another splendid game. Um two interceptions, a pick six. Okay, I think the one, Buddy Pugh said that, you know, with B.J. Davis, he's got, you know, it's a weight. He's got to get his weight up, you know, for that linebacker position, but he can run, says he always plays hard, and he could be the next guy that plays uh, for South Carolina State. So that South Carolina State defense was really, really good. You look at things offensively. If I look at the numbers, Corey Field, 6 of 16, 141 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Well, you'd like to see the pass completion percentage up. There's no question about that. But when you talk about the, the six completions, 141 yards, even the 16 attempts, 141 yards, I mean, he didn't make a mistake. And then the running game ate it. 237 yards rushing with Kendrell Flowers, another running back we don't talk enough about, had 153 yards rushing and two touchdowns. He averaged almost 10 yards a carry did Kendrell Flowers. So I thought, you know, that was a big win, sort of a, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to call it a bounce back win for South Carolina State because it's hard to say, well, well, it's a bounce back from a loss. I'll put it like that. But it's hard to say when you're playing, you're going up against a UCF. Another takeaway that came out of the coaches call, Luke Williams, editor of the Black College Sports page. He's done a tremendous job for in excess of 30 years. Well, each year he has, he does, he has a list of all of the, players that are on active NFL rosters prior to the start of the season. South Carolina State, seven players on NFL rosters. Unbelievable. As I mentioned, Coach Buddy Pugh says B.J. Davis is next. You know, and, you know, Lute asked him, well, what, what is it? Why are you, do, you know, how are you able to get these players? What, what, is, what are you doing there in Orangeburg to allow for those players? And Buddy Pugh just said maybe it's part of a system he – he, he, he really, you know, it's just one of those things, basically, he said. But it always had been like that at South Carolina State when Willie Jeffries was there. The other thing is South Carolina State recruits South Carolina very well. And that should show you, you know, this is, a, this is a message, right? We talk about, you know, I've talked many times about the National Football League and the lack of players being drafted into the National Football League. It's a problem. It continues to be a problem. Okay, great. We have four players drafted this year. Good. We had zero drafted last year. So what? Um, I think at the end of the day, a lot of these players are signing free agent contracts, but it shows me two things. Obviously, HBCU players can play. I think it was 30 or in excess of 30 that were on NFL rosters. And again, a lot of those guys, at least 40% of those guys are free agent guys, maybe a little bit more uh, this year. South Carolina, we talk about 
you talk about great football. You talk about, you know, um, you know, Florida, Texas, you know, all of those places where great football is played, many other places. We don't talk enough about South Carolina because, again, if at the FCS level at one institution, most of the kids are getting that are that are playing that have the South Carolina state name are from the state of South Carolina. So that just goes to show me, uh, you know, it, it could be part of the system with what Buddy Pugh and his staff is, is doing over, you know, 21 years as the head coach. But it also shows me that there's some talent to football players, certainly in the state of South Carolina. So those are my takeaways from week two of the uh, of the uh, HBCU season, I would also say Delaware State, Morgan State, both uh, good football games. I mean, Delaware is a perennial power. Delaware State falls thirty-four to nine. That game used to be like seventy to nothing, seventy to three. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, Morgan State falls. Um, I forget the final score it was eight points. I think it was thirty-six twenty-eight. No, twenty-eight twenty-one, something like that. It was it was it was seven points. It was eight points. Excuse me, eight points that Morgan State fell to Townsend State for the Battle of Baltimore. I mean, that 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 was a game, last year's game was 31 to nothing. It was a game that, you know, Townsend looked past, you, you look past Morgan to get ready for the next opponent. But Morgan State came to play. Watch out for both of those schools. Morgan State, Damon Wilson doing a really good job there so far. And what Rod Milstead is doing at Delaware State. Again, I keep telling you guys, I keep saying, uh, hot pick, hot take. Delaware State winning the MEAC in 2022. So that's about it for today's HBCU Football Daily Podcast. On tomorrow, we'll start to transition a little bit into week three of the HBCU football season. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, where you can find us on our website at BoxToRow.com, also iHeartMedia.com, and wherever you get your podcasts, also, don't forget, uh, you can find us on the Box to Row YouTube page as well. And when chatting or tweeting or using social media with respect to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, don't forget to use the hashtag HBCU130. Talk with you tomorrow.